This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. It's such an honor to present this next award. And here are the nominees. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. I'm the king of the world! There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here to share as a special bonus episode an interview that our own Johanna Desta did with Joey King, who is the star of the Hulu series, The Act. Uh, Joey's been an actress since she was a child, but really had this breakthrough moment on The Act playing Gypsy Rose Blanchard, who is a real woman who was treated by her mother as if she had these debilitating diseases that uh, it turned out she didn't have. Patricia Arquette plays her mother. You might have seen her on the cover of our most recent uh, Emmy special issue and that story is online. So Johanna talked to Joey about the process of getting into this really unique character who had this really specific strange voice who spent most of her life in a wheelchair and how this young woman who, you know, is healthy and strong really turned herself into this character. It's a really fascinating interview. The act is a fascinating series. So we hope you enjoy this conversation with Joey King. I'll just start with, like, how are you? Has this been just a crazy journey, like, with everything going on with the act right now? Yeah, oh, my God. Crazy is an understatement. But, yeah, absolutely. It's been um, crazy, overwhelming in the best way possible. I In the past couple months, I felt things I didn't even know I could feel, you know? I'm just mm-hmm. so excited about it all. Yeah. This is, like, a huge shift from the types of things that you've done before. And one thing I was curious about was... Was this something that you were kind of seeking out? Were you looking to do something darker or something more true crime? Like, how did this happen? How did this well, happen? How did this, how did this yeah. happen? How, how did we all get here? Um, what's the meaning of life? Um, I think that when this came about, I, of course, I always look for things that will, you know, challenge myself and kind of scare me and make me, you know, anxious or nervous in a way. And when I got the script for the act... It wasn't offered to me or anything. It was mm-hmm. an audition, and I and I read the first script, and um, it scared me. It scared me not in the way that oh, this is a scary show. It was yeah, very scary subject matter, but uh, it scared me in a way of you know, could I actually be able to do this, and could I do it well? Um, and that's how I knew it was something that I wanted really badly, and I worked really hard on my audition, and I went in, and I got a call back, and I went in again, and. I think those seeking out, I never like seek out anything, I don't think, because then my mind will be closed off to other things. And Mm -hmm. so, but after doing something like the kissing booth, which I had so much fun on and it was just like the greatest time. And I was so excited with how it turned out. I thought it would be cool to do something darker, but I wasn't, you know, telling my reps only send me dark things. I I wanted to read it all. I wanted to see everything that was out there. But when this came, it was just one of those moments where it was like, I need this and I, I need, I want it so bad. 
When you say that you were like preparing for the audition, I'm curious about like the work that goes into that. So what were you doing to sort of prepare yourself to become Gypsy Rose? Well, it was hard because in the uh, audition, they didn't want any of the actresses auditioning to do the voice of Gypsy Rose. And so I was kind of a little bit, I thought that that's a little bit of a challenge because I know that if I worked hard enough on it, I could get there. Even though I didn't have that much time from the time I got the audition to the time I actually had to go in and audition. So that was a bit of a challenge for me, but I had to kind of get over that and just kind of doing the research online of things that were already there. But I also didn't want to seem like I was trying to mock or imitate. And that's hard to get across in a very short amount of time in an audition. It's, you know, when, when it's like, you know, you have like six minutes in a room with people, it's difficult to get exactly what you want in front of them and say like, Hey, I can do this. So, it, I mean, I think the audition is the most challenging part of it. What's half the battle really. And, you know, your whole, you know, the whole thing just depends on those six minutes in there or however, it's just a very short amount of time. So, um, doing the research for it, of course, I watched the documentary, read the Buzzfeed article and just started looking at any article I could find, any interviews I could find. But the big challenge was how do I do this without doing her voice? And I don't even know how I did it, man. <laughs> I even, I, it was like, I was so scared when I went in. Were you familiar with the story before getting the script? I had heard of the story, um, but I didn't know much about it. But I did know of Gypsy and Dee Dee. Um, but it wasn't until I got the audition that I really started to do the research and find an overwhelming amount of information on them. Yeah. Were you like a true crime person at all beforehand? Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on, right? Like, of course. Weird. It's weird why why do we like it, you know? And uh, it's one of those things that after doing the act, I kind of have tried to answer that in a way. It's hard to answer, though, but, I mean, people really like true crime, and I'm, I'm one of them. It's interesting to try and get inside the mind of a criminal. I want to talk about uh, just sort of like the chronological journey that you took to become this character. And I'm, I'm really curious about the physicality. We talked a little bit about the voice already. Um, but how did you start preparing yourself for the physicality of what you were going to have to do? Well, I remember when I first, uh, when I got the offer to do the role, um, I immediately started again, going online and finding any videos I could of her, any footage at all. And I rewatched the documentary, I think no less than 15 times. And just because because her physicality was such a huge importance to who she was, especially around her mother. She just became this childlike, it's just, it was just such a infantilized way of being. And, you know, she just, she just carried such a, a childlike aura about her. So I wanted to be able to do that. But I also, because our story is told in Gypsy's quiet moments as well, which we don't really know what Gypsy was like in her quiet moments, but I wanted there to be a difference from when she's around Dee Dee to when she's by herself because she has that yearning and that longing for being a grown up, for, you know, coming out of this shell and becoming independent. And so I wanted there to be a difference in her physicality um, around her mother versus by herself. And then also when it came time to get my teeth fitted, that was a huge moment for me um, because. I wanted to try and become this character as much as possible and embody her and 
just be her. So when I first had my, my fitting for the fake teeth, that was really one of those moments where I was like, wow, okay, this is really happening. I'm very excited to play this character. This is going to be insane myself physically and that was something that scared me and I was really excited for and then then I shaved my head and just all these things but you know doing practice in the wheelchair getting really good at that because Gypsy was in a wheelchair her whole life she would know how to maneuver that thing without any problems so just small things like that every small little bit and you know every pass through the scripts everything it just all helps get into you know that character but I have to say the amount of preparation that I did, the amount of work I did on the voice, the amount of work I did on the character, the amount of physical work I did and, you know, things that I tried to do to embody her, it all, it all is so important, but there's nothing like being on set and the spontaneous decisions that you make for your character on set are so, so important and they're so much grander and better than any preparation you could ever do. Uh, I feel, I really feel that way strongly. I feel like my best performance came when I didn't even know that I was going to do something until I just did it. And I'm really thankful to our directors who let me have that freedom and to Patricia, who was just the most collaborative person that I could have ever dreamed of working with. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Patricia really quick. You know, the queen icon legend, so good in this. And I'm sure, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure that playing like these, like these roles that you two have in particular, I'm sure it creates like a very special and specific bond. So, I mean, are you guys just friends for life now because of these roles? Absolutely. I mean, we, we've said it to each other a million times. We're not getting rid of each other. Um, (laughs) This experience bonded us so tightly, and um, I learned so much as an actor, but not just as an actor, as you know, a human being. She's just one of the most kind human beings I've ever met. And so I learned so much from her as a person, and I think her and I will always be friends. I mean, right before I left to go to Cape Town um, to film for like four months, I was like, I'm going to miss you so much. She was like, me too. And then we just went to Disneyland together. <laughs> and, Wait, you guys yeah. just went to Disneyland? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny. I ran into her at the, well, I knew she was going, we both knew we were going at this event and we got there and, and her and her daughter Harlow were there. And I was like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm leaving. And I, they were like, what's going on? I was like, I'm leaving for Africa in like a few days. And they're like, Oh my God, we need to hang out before you go. And I was like, well, the only day I actually have that's free is tomorrow. And then <laughs> Patricia's daughter was like, let's go to Disneyland. And I was like, okay. And Patricia was like, okay. And then we went. <laughs> So much fun. What a dream. That's so, that's such a sweet story. I love that. <laughs> I know, right? I just, she's such a, she's one of those people who, she's been in this industry and in this business for so long, but she's just the most normal and sweet and, and giving person I've ever met. Um, and I, I hope that I, that I age and that I grow up to be like Patricia. Mm. I I really admire her and she makes me excited to be that age and to, you know, be an actress in that age group. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the work that she does is really spectacular. Um, And I also wanted to ask because my colleague, Joanna Robinson interviewed you like a couple months ago before the show came out and Mm -hmm. she, you mentioned a story about how you came to set sick and Patricia brought you like a big, pot of soup she had like a very unconventional can you just like explain to the listeners what happened (laughs) um yeah so I was I I remember episode three uh, where we go to the convention and I'm dressed as Cinderella and everything 
I um I got so sick. I was, you know, I had a bad fever. It was like it was not good. I was sick as a dog and we were doing night shoots. It was just bad. And uh I wrapped at like five AM and I was called in, you know, like, you know, five PM the next day to start another round of shooting. And I came into work and <laughs> I go to get my breakfast, even though it was 5 p.m. Uh, at catering, and they're like, oh, we have an entire pot of soup for you that Patricia made last night at, like, 6 a.m. after she wrapped. And I was like, what? That's so sweet. She what kind of soup was it? Wrapped at 5 a.m. It was, like, just, it was, like, chicken soup with ginger and butternut. And oh, my like, God. <laughs> It was so like gourmet and I, I was, I was so touched and it was so sweet. And she just was running around all day, making sure that like, you know, the medic knew where I was and that I had my ibuprofen to break my fever. Like she was just running around. Like it was so sweet. She really, really did take care of me on that set. Uh, you guys, I mean, you really just became like the mother and daughter, like, and, and had that bond in that way. But in a very healthy way. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> not like the show, but in like a good, healthy, mm, yeah, normal she way. She got sick recently. She got really sick recently too, and I felt so bad. So I postmated her ice cream, but then my stupid ass did not like. I was like, yeah, she's got a really bad cop. Send her something cold, like yeah. ooh. So uh, she makes me chicken soup, and I send her like salt and straw, which was just not the best move. But I mean, I, I was thinking of her. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get um, touch on something that you said earlier, just about like the craft and and I wanted to talk about like the teeth and the shaving the head specifically, because just even for your own like daily life, I'm sure it was like jarring to get used to or was it jarring? Like, was it freeing just to be able to do something like radical in that way for a role? No, no, for sure. I, I think it was freeing. I really felt I felt the most confident I've ever felt. And the most scared at the same time. You know what I mean? It was one of those roles where it was just so complex and there was so much to do and there was so much to consider in every single frame of playing Gypsy that there's so much I wanted to convey on camera. And so as much as it was one of those things that I was nervous about doing it, I was, you know, scared that it wouldn't come across, but I I was at the same time the most confident I'd ever been, um, in playing a role, in being able to transform like that, I felt so excited that I was given the opportunity just to become a different person. It's an actor's dream, you know, to just be able to embody someone else fully. And um, I'm so happy that I got that experience because, you know, you lose a lot of vanity when you do the things that I did. And I stopped working out too, because, you know, I didn't think Gypsy would have muscle tone. She sits in a wheelchair all the time. So I stopped working out. I shaved my head. I put in fake teeth. I, you know, I did all these things, but no part of me was like, Oh man, like I don't like the way I look or this is not, you know, fun for me. It's genuinely the most happy I've felt about playing a character and, and just content I've felt with, you know, myself. Cause I was able to look in the mirror every day and still be like, I'm proud of you. You know what I mean? I was proud of myself for doing what I was doing. I wasn't focused on, you know, what I looked like. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like an artistic dream in a way. And then it also is like reinforcement, like, yes, I'm doing the right thing. I'm making the right choices because this is how I feel when I'm doing it. Um, so it's like lovely. Yeah. And shaving my head, it was one of those things. It was my third time doing it, but it was, this is, you know, my first time as an adult doing it. And so looking in the mirror, being able to fully say like, 
you're beautiful without your hair and just being meaning it when I said it to myself. It's, it's something that I was, I was really happy I was able to do because it was not about the look. It was just about how I felt. And I was still the same person and I was still very happy doing what I was doing, doing what I love, doing what I dreamed of doing. And so I was just happy and that that's all I could ever ask for. I, one thing I did want to talk about as well is, you know, the story is it's based on a true story. It's about Gypsy Gypsy has made her remarks about the show, not being a fan of the show. And I know that you weren't able to meet her beforehand. But I'm curious, I mean, when actors are playing real people, I've, I've heard some say that sometimes they don't want to meet the real person because they want to go into the performance. Would you have wanted to meet her if that had been possible? It's such a, it's one of those questions where I, I my answer changes like every day. I don't know. Part of me is like, yes, I wanted to, I would have loved to have met her and been able to just sit down with her and really get mine. But then the other part of me doesn't know if I would have liked that. It doesn't know if it would have helped me or hurt me, you know, as far as playing her. And um, I still don't know. But I hope that if, you know, when she gets out one day and, and if she does watch the show, that she will hopefully find the good in the show as far as it really showcasing her innocence and really showcasing how much of a victim she was because she really was a victim her life she no one deserves the life that she had and so I, I mean the fact that she's in prison still it's heartbreaking to me you know I think she she deserves a much better life now she deserves to be free and deserves to be in therapy not in behind bars so um I hope she knows how much I respect her story and um how much truth I wanted to bring to it. At the end of a really intense project like this, did you find yourself doing things to sort of get back into being Joey or was there not like some big um, process to like shake the character off in that way? Um, I, I would say I'm not a method actor really at all. I don't think I'm very lucky that it doesn't stick with me. You know, I, I was able to come home and just be me again. And I was also able to take away many, many friends from that experience, cast and crew, both included. And so, um, there were times when I would get home at night from a day of shooting and it was hard to shake gypsy, but then I would just throw on some HGTV and open a bag of Doritos and I was fine. Uh, (laughs) But, but, um, but no, there were some times when I got home at night where it was, it was a little difficult to shake the day and it was a hard day or it was a really, really emotional day. But, um, I'm thankful that I was surrounded by so much love and support by the cast and crew and everybody involved that I felt really protected and loved. And I was able to get back to myself quite quickly. Yeah. Did you, did you keep any keepsakes from the set? Oh yeah, I sure did. And I also, I stole a few things afterwards. Come on, what did you take? I have, okay, so I took this picture of Patricia and I, that was just like in the house, in character, and I was sitting on her lap, and you know, she was like holding me, and it's like kind of a, it's really eerie, it's a really eerie picture, and it's on my bedside table now, and and I also took, um, for people who have seen it and who, you know, know what this is. It's a little, it's one of those things you might miss. Um, Mr. Puddles, the bear with the yellow raincoat in the show. Um, he has a a little close up in episode eight and it's very disturbing. Um, anyway, so he was the talk of the town with the crew of who was going to get Mr. Puddles, who was going to get Mr. Puddles. 
So I broke into the prop room uh, at Rap on the last day. I, I scaled the fence. Scaled <laughs> the fence. Yeah, there was like a chain link fence around the prop room because everyone knew, like everyone wanted to take something from the show. Oh my gosh, yeah. Everyone was like gone. Everyone was like, you know, celebrating in, you know, the other room, I, like scaled the prop fence. I took Mr. Puddles. Well, I guess, I mean, yeah, you're done with this now. You're on this journey uh, post the act. Um, what else is next for you? Uh, life post the act. Oh, so sad. Um, no, it's true. Actually, I did kind of go into a little bit of like post show depression after we filmed. It was one of those, it was the show took so much of my energy and so much focus and so much of my heart. Cause I just missed every, I miss everybody so much that worked on it. And I just kind of slipped into this like sad state of mind for a while. Um, so that, that was hard to shake. I wasn't stuck in gypsy, but I was, I was having a hard time shaking this like this heavy cloud over me after we wrapped because I just felt so much love on that show. But, um, but now I feel good. I'm happy. And, um, I'm working on the kissing booth sequel right now, which is really exciting because I love playing that character. Elle Evans is, you know, she will always have a place in my heart. So being able to bring her back and knowing that the fans are super excited to see that it makes showing up on set every day. Very, very exciting. Cause I know that we are shooting, something that impacted a lot of young people's lives. And I can't wait for them to see the next chapter of that. Um, but okay, well, this has been so great chatting with you, Joey. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. It was so fun talking with you. That does it for this special bonus episode. We'll have another regular episode later this week. Uh, in the meantime, find us all on VanityFair.com and on Twitter at LittleGoldMen. This episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. From PRX.